Okay, I want to go ahead and get started. Uh, perhaps others will join, but uh, in, in any case, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, so thank you all for joining us today. And as always, we will let you know what we've been doing since our last call and kind of what we still have on our plate for now and give you the opportunity to ask questions or provide us with any feedback. So one thing that I will start right off with is our, um, our MPI tuning work, uh, our MPI cleanup. Uh, it's kind of been a long time in the planning, but we have actually um, uh, implemented our Verado Auto Steward uh, tool that is helping us to address any of the open tasks um, in our uh, Initiate MPI. And uh, we're pretty giddy with uh, excitement over the results so far. Uh, I believed, and Jeff, I've not seen Jeff on the call, but he was telling me the other day that just since September, we've seen that about 60% of the open tasks were able to be resolved on the first pass through, um, through the Verado um, auto steward tool. And that's before any additional tuning takes place. So we started with the stuff that is most recent. So from about September going forward, got that cleaned up really quickly. And now we're going back through the older stuff. And, um, you know, so I'll, I'll have more updates and details on the progress of that as time goes by. Uh, but so far, it's, you know, I, my only regret is that it has taken us this long to get it going. The, the intentions were to start it much, much earlier in the year, um, but there have been many unexpected things that have happened, as I'm sure you can all sympathize with. And, uh, but anyway, it's, it's in process right now and going very well, and we're very excited about it. Uh, there's a couple of things that we have been working on for individual data senders. And since one of them is Christiana and we have some Christiana people on the call, uh, I'll mention that one of the things that we're working on is the whole idea of developing provider panels um, so that results delivery can be enhanced by sending results to every member of a patient's care team. And um, if Jeff were on, he could give more details about that work, but uh, that is in progress and uh, moving along very nicely. We've also had a few things that we've been working on for doctor's pathology, um, implementing electronic lab reporting of their COVID results to public health, also for green clinics. Um, the other things that have been very, very large for us are the ongoing work on our high trust certification. Any of you who have been through it know that it is a massive amount of work. And uh, there's a lot of work that goes into the pre-assessment phase. And then once you enter the assessment phase, it is truly an audit. And so that's where we are right now. We are in the assessment phase and we are going through a rigorous security audit by our high trust assessors. And knock on wood so far, that's going very well. 
Our expectation is that it will be wrapped up by the end of December, and there's nothing right now to make us believe that that's at risk. Um, so uh, hopefully that will all get concluded and we can breathe a sigh of relief and move on to other things. Uh, the other thing that has been um, a lot of work and very time consuming is the migration of our mirth, the last of our mirth infrastructure to the cloud. Uh, we're moving all of our mirth connect uh, nodes, which is our integration engine. Um, to the AWS cloud, and we are replacing Mirth results with an alternative message routing solution that will also be in the cloud. And it has impacted, of course, all of our data centers in having to set up VPNs to the new endpoint. Uh, we are down to only two VPNs remain to be moved over, and our expectation is that that project will be complete um, by the 20th of November, so that's right around the corner. So this is another one that has been a very big deal. It has touched every single data sender, and it's been a lot of work for the team, but we are, we're staring at the finish line on that one and uh, should have that one done. And it's gone remarkably smoothly. So again, knock on wood that there won't be any last-minute hiccups, but, uh, it, you know, uh, th those have been big projects that have consumed a lot of time and we'll be very glad to be able to move on to other things. A um, couple of uh, also large projects. Uh, the personal health record continues to be promoted by public health at all of their testing sites. And we are up to, last I heard, it was about 12,000 accounts. Uh, Stacy, do you have anything more up to date than that? Or um, I don't see Brandy on the call. No, we're, we're holding strong at about 12,000, Jan. Okay, very good. Uh, so, you know, to have gone from about seven to 800 at the end of June up to 12,000 by early November has, has been quite a spike. As I mentioned on last month's call, the sudden surge in growth ha has um, unmasked some issues that we were not previously aware on, aware of. And uh, we've had people working very hard to resolve some of those areas that have proven to be pain points. Uh, we've made some significant improvements and our call volume to the service desk has begun to simmer down to something a little more normal, but st still at you know, a higher volume than we saw before uh, we had quite so many people um, implementing the PHR. We continue to work on <coughs> uh, things that will improve the end user experience there. We've already implemented a number of things that improve the matching of the PHR account to an identity in our uh, clinical database. One of the big things that remains, though, is uh, setting up an account in the first place, which requires an identity proofing step. Obviously, we cannot make PHI exposed to people who shouldn't be seeing it. And so if it's not them, uh, we, we, can't, we can't let them have access to PHI. And doing that identity proofing 
at this kind of scale in the middle of a pandemic is a bit of a challenge. Uh, we have subscribed to a third party identity proofing solution that is based off of the individual's credit history. And it works um, adequately for the majority of cases, but not all. Uh, certainly young adults, meaning like college age uh, uh, people, may not have enough of a credit history that they, they get good matches on this solution. And people from disadvantaged communities who have basically, they don't have a credit card, they haven't bought a house, you know, they, they don't have much of a credit history, um, again, are people who are not helped by this particular approach. So we are actively exploring what other alternatives may be available to us. Um, the state is pursuing some work on a sort of single sign-in identity proofing solution for all citizens who need to access state services. And we were hoping to piggyback uh, the work that they are doing. We met with them recently. It's still not quite ready for prime time and the price tag feels pretty steep. And so uh, we're, we're still looking at what other options there may be. It would be premature to throw out the thoughts that we have on it because they may not come to, you know, they may not come to anything. Uh, but just so you know, this is an area that we recognize is still an issue for some people trying to establish an account and we're trying to improve that experience as much as we possibly can. Um, we have gotten grant funding through public health to migrate the PHR to a true mobile app. And we think that that is going to improve the user experience as well. It's available right now on a mobile device, but you have to go through your browser. And so it's not, it's not what people like, you know, the ability to just tap on the icon for an app and that app opens and you're in and you can do all the things that you can do. So we believe that moving it to a true mobile app is going to uh, provide a more satisfying end user experience. And we're really grateful that uh, public health has made money available to us to do that. Um, so that is another thing that is uh, a fairly big deal and is taking up a lot of our, um, our time and work effort, but we're pleased to be able to offer this service to the citizens of Delaware um, at a, a time when it, you know, things are very sensitive and people want to be able to access uh, their results. And again, um, you know, those, those who are getting tested at, quote, the usual places, if it's in one of the hospitals or if it is from a, you know, a LabCorp or a Quest site, if it's um, a place that's already in our system, and those places have their own portal, as of course all the hospitals do, the patients can get their results there. And we're not trying to um, you know, pull anybody away from those uh, options. But these, um, you know, like the Walgreen testing sites, 
they're not really actually conducting the test. They're collecting the specimens. And then the specimens go to the public health lab. And that's where the actual test is done. And so public health doesn't have a portal. And that's what they're using us for. So to make this available for the widespread, uh, you know, very large scale testing that the state is doing right now is a real service to our citizens. And we're, um, we're really happy that we're in a position to be able to provide this service to them. Um, now, I also want to um, mention work that we are doing on the analytics side, and I don't see Terry Lynn on the call, but I really want to give a shout out to Terry Lynn and our analytics team because they are busy, busy people right now. Uh, we've got a number of analytics projects that are active and others that are um, sort of in the um, planning stages and haven't quite, uh, you know, kicked off as an actual project yet. But just to mention a few of these, uh, we recently completed reporting on the growth in the use of telehealth services pre and post COVID. Um, and it's not just, hey, here's how many telehealth visits there are, but it's an interactive report that allows you to explore it by, um, by payer, by health plan, by um, gender, age group, year. You can slice and dice it in many different ways. And it will show not only the number of telehealth claims, and again, this is based off of the claims database, so it's telehealth claims, but also what was the specialty of the provider who was engaged in that telehealth um, activity, and what are the, like, the top diagnoses associated with a telehealth visit. I don't think it will surprise anybody to learn that eight of the top 10 diagnoses are behavioral health or mental health. Um, a lot of anxiety and depression right now. It, you know, the, the world's a tough place under the best of times and we aren't in the best of times. And so um, it, it's exacerbated. But that is an interesting report. And we will be um, making that a public facing report. It will go on the DIN website um, soon. It's not there yet. I don't have an exact date. Uh, Stacy, do you have any uh, update on when we can expect to see that on the website? Not at this time, Jan, but of course we are continuing to move forward with making available and easily available all of those public reports. So we'll make sure to update, you know, the, the, the team as a whole when they're available so folks can check them out. Very good. Very good. Um, we are also working with Christiana on a study for their Memory Ambassadors project, which is evaluating the effectiveness of community screening uh, for uh, cognitive uh, decline. We are working with Healthcare Commission on a total cost of care and cost transparency project. That one's a pretty big one, and it will, um, it will be in phases and span multiple years. Uh, we are working with Medicaid on providing them regular data extracts for analysis in their warehouse. We have a project we're doing with the State Employee Benefit Commission on elective outpatient surgeries. 
we are providing a final extract to CDC for the project that we've been working on with them, looking at um, the clinical outcomes for patients who have been exposed to these um, chemicals whose name I can never remember, the PFAS uh, family of chemicals that are found in the drinking water in certain uh, communities in the state. And we are working with Department of Justice on the Child Death Review Commission uh, work. So we've got a lot of active projects in the works. Some of them are such that these reports can be made public uh, once they're completed. Others are not going to be public. They are performed specifically for an entity that has engaged, uh, engaged with us for those results. But that said, you know, one of the statutory uh, purposes of the claims database is to basically provide value to the citizens of the state. And so that's one of the sort of um, questions that we ask as people apply for access to the data. In what way is this going to come back to provide value to Delawareans? And so even if the reports themselves are not ultimately public facing reports, the insights gained from the studies um, they, the applicant has to show a direct connection to this is going to come back in a way that will uh, provide value or provide a benefit for Delawareans in a more general way. Um, so a lot going on right there. Uh, we're way seriously busy. And it's coming, of course, into uh, the holiday season. We expect that people are going to take some time off uh, to be with families during holidays, and that is altogether appropriate. Um, I am personally encouraging the DIN team for our mental health, you got to take the occasional day off. Uh, you know, we none of us can go at full speed all the time without eventually burning out, and I don't want anybody burning out. We need everyone, and uh, we need them alert and um, you know, mentally prepared to bring their best uh, to, to the job every day. And sometimes you just have to take a little time to, to get some refreshment and clear your head and come up for air and visit your family, <laughs> all those things. Uh, so, but we are hoping that uh, in January, we're going to be able to kick off some, uh, some new projects that are uh, kind of exciting. We are in, we hope, the final stages of contracting with DSAM for some work that we'll be doing for them around um, behavioral health. And, uh, and we're pretty excited about that. We've long wanted to be able to expand the services that DEN offers in ways that include the behavioral health community. As we've mentioned on previous calls, we are working actively on um, a consent registry that will allow us to capture granular level consent of the patient 
for who can see their data and what data those individuals can see and be in compliance with the very strict requirements of 42 CFR Part 2 around substance use uh, disorder data in particular. Um, so uh, more to come hopefully uh, on, on the consent registry and on work that we'll be doing with DSAM. And I just realized I, I should have called this out earlier when I was talking about the PHR, but we have just gone live um, with our uh, the health check alert feature of our consumer uh, facing services. And uh, Diana Hicks should get great credit for that because Diana worked for Impulse when we first implemented this service and Impulse was our, um, our supplier for that. And we have since moved it over to our MedicaSoft platform and Diana has left impulse and come to work for DIN. So she got to work on this project twice. Um, but for those of you who don't know what, uh, what this is all about, it's basically event notification for the consumer. So when we receive an HL7 message for that individual, whether it is an ADT that says you've been admitted or discharged from a hospital or ED or whatever, or if it's an ORU message that says, here's a test result that we received on you, we're able to fire off a text message to that patient saying, we've just received a lab result from you, or we just see that you were in the emergency department at Christiana. Do you recognize this activity? So just like when your, you know, your credit card company says, did you really make this purchase? Press one for yes and press two for no. Um, it's a fraud detection feature that allows the consumer to say, yep, that was me, or to say, uh-uh. And then if they say no, there's additional instructions about, well, here's what you do to investigate a possible fraudulent use of your identity um, in, in a medical setting. Uh, but Part of what will be really helpful about this is, especially now in this whole COVID world where everybody wants to know their results, the absolute nanosecond that they're available, uh, this will be really nice that as soon as a result comes into the DIN ecosystem, we can fire off the notification to the patient. You have results available for viewing in the PHR. And uh, we're hoping that that will be another thing that enhances user satisfaction with the PHR. So I, I should have uh, spoken out on that one sooner. And uh, huge kudos to Diana. That one, that one was a bit of work to get that one across the finish line. But yay, we're there. So um, I will stop and first of all, ask the DIN team, have I left anything out or is there anything you'd like to add um, regarding the work that we've been doing lately? Okay, I'm not hearing anything. So over to our, um, our other visitors and let me ask you if you have any questions or if you have any feedback for us on ways that DIN could improve the way we serve you. Hi, Sue. No, this is my first time joining the meeting. Thanks so much. Awesome information. 
Good. Very glad to have you. Yeah, thank you. And I'm thrilled to be working with Diana and Brian and Jeff and Samuel and team. It's it's been a great experience. Uh, thank you. Good. Yeah, they're good folks. So, um, yeah. I mean, the whole point of this meeting is to try to be as transparent as we possibly can. Um, you know, again, the agenda is simple. Here's what we've done since the last call. Here's the things we're actively working on right now. And what do you think about it? And, you know, tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly so we can adjust course if we need to do that. And uh, that, that's what it's all about. Dan, okay. one, this is Lynn. One more thing. Um, at our meeting this morning on results, the de results delivery migration, we have um, scheduled the actual migration to start next Wednesday evening at approximately 6 p.m. Um, it still needs to go to change control for final approval, but just wanted to let the people on the phone be aware so that they would know that it's coming definitely next week. We, we have until the 20th. We don't, we don't want to wait until then. Looks like we'll be ready much earlier than that. So we're going to go on Wednesday night. And as long as change control, the change control board approves it, um, we'll be able to go then. So just we'll be um, communicating with the hospital, the data centers, and all the hospitals, letting them know what the schedule is. Very good. All right. Well, if there's no other comments, we don't need to drag this out. So uh, our next town hall meeting is scheduled for December 9th. Should be at 11 o'clock as usual. And I hope we'll see you then. And everybody have a wonderful Thanksgiving between now and then. So. Me too. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jan. Uh-huh. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dincast. We'll have more coming in the future, and you can make sure that you get the latest episodes by following The Din on social media. We are on Twitter at Din underscore H-I-E, and you can find us on Facebook by simply searching for Delaware Health Information Network. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions about the podcast, and maybe have some suggestions about future topics that you would like to hear us discuss, please email us at dincast at din.org. If you would like to learn more about The Din, please visit us on our website at din.org. Also, please feel free to give our new podcast a like and share it with those you think can benefit from our discussions. Thank you again for joining us, and let's talk again soon.